I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hemsler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, May 12, 2018. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... We ...in the dollar... It's a late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Money Talks. Good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon. I'm here today with none other than Jay Penny. Jay Jay Penny. J.C. Penny. J.C. Penny. Yes. J. Money. Uh, How about about we just call you Jared? There you go. Jared. You're the host. You call me what you want to, Troy. Right. Well, not not anything, but well, <laughs> anything appropriate we're on the radio for radio. Here, people. When That's we're right. not on the radio, I call you what well, I want. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, right. we have Jarrett McKenzie, who is a CFP and a CWS. That's right. As well as Sean Theriault, who is a CFP, CPA, uh, CDFA. Overachiever. Any, anything uh, else? We no. got anything else? Okay. Not yet. All right. So there we have it. Later. That's right. Later. There we go. Oh, where, where's your third one at now, Troy? You got the CFA uh, and the CVA, right? That's correct. You working yeah. on the third yeah. still? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I am working. Got a little sidetracked, but uh, with the market going up on. and down and sideways, I don't, I don't it, know why. It wasn't. It wasn't the market. Oh, it well. wasn't the market. But okay. I'm, uh, well. I'm back on the case. We got a little. Speaking of the soup. market, though, we are up. Look at Year that. Year to date, finally, we positive made it back. Ter- territory. Yeah, there we go. One. Point six nine percent as we record this show. Uh, still, information technology almost eleven percent higher on the year. A uh, couple way down in the basement, telecommunications, which really is only made up of what three securities, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still down big, thirteen point six percent, and consumer staples right there with them, thirteen point six percent negative. Uh, you know, we talked about that last week and some of the names in there and how strange it is to see just how badly they've done. Uh, biggest sense we can make out of that uh, in both cases is uh, their dividend-paying securities and uh, interest, interest rates, rates. Yeah, interest rates have moved. Uh, when interest rates go higher, the uh, value of those interest-paying securities generally tends to decline. Same with utilities that are down 5%, right? Correct, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, yep. Uh, over the week, it's been actually a pretty good week. I think I saw um, we've had the Dow five days in a row positive. Um, you know, we're still not back to where we were end of January, where S&P 500 was 7% higher. But uh, uh, news is pretty decent. Um, Just about everything in the past week has been positive. Information technology up 5.6%. Financials almost 5% at 4.86%. You go all the way down. Even consumer staples are positive, but uh, slightly less than 1%. So So that pushed uh, financials positive for the year now, right? Almost 1%? It does, yeah. Yeah. And um, 
you know, we've got four sectors that are actually positive for the year, information technology, consumer discretionaries, energy, and financials. So uh, uh, energy's been rocking right along, mostly driven by the price of crude oil. Uh, we're over 70 bucks a barrel again. Uh, good news if you invest in that space, not so Bad much. Bad news at the pump. Just, yeah, if you're just going to buy gas, it's uh, <laughs> not a happy thing. Right. I had a conversation with my dad a long time ago. He used to complain about, uh, you know, you see the, the price of crude oil move up, and even before it gets to the pump, you start seeing the price at the pump start reflecting higher prices in crude. And I told him, hey, man, just buy some Exxon Mobil um, stock and you can participate on the side you want to. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when uh, when the price of your stock falls because crude oil is falling, then you get the benefit of having cheaper gas. So you if you're going to, I mean, we all use automobiles, almost all of us, in some way or another. So if, uh, you know, if it helps you mentally and emotionally to uh, soften that blow of the cost of gasoline, then why not? Yeah. So how do you think this uh, withdrawal that the Trump administration made earlier this week from the uh, was it the Iranian sure. nuclear deal? I mean, what, what kind of impact do you think that's going to have, particularly over the summer when gas prices are usually rising at the pump, right? I mean, is that, sure. that going to drive them up even further, you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, it has the potential to uh, make a little uh, instability in the Middle East. But aren't we, aren't we self-sufficient right now, or am I incorrect? Uh, we're getting there. Uh, okay. We still use we still use imported oil, but uh, we we get closer and closer to that all the time uh, with uh, being able to pump shale oil. And you can see uh, West Texas Intermediate Crude, which is actually impacted by that uh, those drillings in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, well, I guess in Texas as well as uh, up in North Dakota and various other areas throughout the Midwest. Um, you can tell that it's not quite as volatile as some of the other prices, uh, like a North uh, North Sea Brent North Sea Crude, um, and uh, probably surely not as impacted by. Uh, by crude coming out of the Middle East. But uh, let's face it, the biggest producer is still Saudi Arabia. As long as that is the case, um, we're, we're still going to have to so keep, a, keep an eye. Up, right? No, I think, they, I think they will. I think that's part of what's that. going on. I mean, you're talking about a global supply of a commodity that's used also globally. Um, you're going to see uh, an impact. There's always going to be that sensitivity, that uh, correlation, if you will, to uh, issues in the Middle East and the price of oil on a global scale. Uh, some of the things that don't impact it is, I mean, obviously, if if we're having to import oil, that cost is uh, is going to be Hi. an issue. Yeah. Well, so and we certainly don't feel like there's going to be a shortage of any kind then as a result of this. No, uh, but, you know, that's still well, We have still oversupply the right now, right? Uh, yeah, we're still we're still very yeah. flush because they they did continue to generate you know the, yeah. those yeah, additional were, barrels, which is what had kept it down for a long time. Sure. Actually. Well, and not only that, remember uh, Iran was was uh, not being able to sell their crude mm. into the market, and uh, recently that changed. So you know we're back to uh, sanctions on Iran again. So uh, Jared, to your point, it's really difficult to say exactly what's going to happen, but it is something worth watching. Um, you know, I, there are folks that say it's a, a destabilizing effect. Uh, I, to be honest with you, I think pretty much everything we've seen out of the Trump administration over the first year, 
at least, mm-hmm. uh, has been uh, in, in a lot of ways a negotiation tactic. Uh, you can look at uh, some of the geopolitical issues in, uh, say, North Korea. Uh, you saw three Americans were released from North Korea uh, this past week. Uh, all of that has been uh, due to, in, in some part, to uh, kind of the negotiation tactics that we've seen. And I still say that the tariffs that we're talking about with China are precisely that as well. And, you know, e- even that already has uh, has changed some of the things. Uh, the Germans had uh, tariffs on automobiles, um, and they are one of the biggest suppliers of BMWs, obviously, of automobiles in the United States. As soon as uh, we started talking about those tariffs, they they went immediately and changed some of the some of the charges that they have on automobiles coming into Germany from higher US. or less. Less, yeah. So that means we them. should go buy BMWs and Exxon Mobil right now. Well, <laughs> uh, what it what it actually says is that we can sell them. Uh, on a more even keel right. into Germany, and that's that's really what he was trying to get. So, um, you well, know, it and and I think that that story with China is yet to play out, but uh, yeah. it'll be. I believe it'll be a negotiation issue. You're never going to get an economist that says, "Hey, you know what? Tariffs are a great idea." You know who winds up paying for tariffs? It's the citizens in the country that impose them. Uh, generally, it, it becomes a higher cost. And uh, that's that's where the ultimate dollar falls. So, or cost rather, not mm-hmm. necessarily dollar. Could be a different currency, the euro. <laughs> yeah, you bring up North Korea. I mean, I, I'm wondering how much of an impact. Obviously, a more stable Korean peninsula is is going to be beneficial to us from, a, you know, a, a scary standpoint, Sleep right? Well at night. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I mean, as good as that is with, with with Trump, you know, in this upcoming meeting with Kim Jong Un. Do we what do we really stand to benefit domestically because of this? I mean, aside from again a more stable Korean Peninsula, it's not as though this is going to amp up trade with the country, but it certainly seems to be offsetting some of this uh, this talk about the Iranian deal and backing out of that. Sure. Um, so it's a good thing. But I, I was just curious in reading some of the headlines earlier what what that might what we might stand to benefit from as far as all that's concerned. Well, as a guys... nation, I would say, I mean, right off the jump, you you have to consider that you're going to be spending less on defense uh, to try to protect South Korea. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, I, it's hard to say exactly what happens. I think uh, the Chinese, uh, who are truly the big power in that general vicinity, um, right. probably want something in return as well, you know, uh, and – uh, they have uh, have been vocal to North Korea, telling them, you know, you need to act right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on their, the meeting's on their soil, right? Isn't it in Singapore or something? Singapore, is which is not it's not China. It's, it's not China, yeah, but Singapore yeah, I mean, it's close. But yeah, it's in the it's in the general area. So uh, honestly, other than you know a lower cost of of defense and probably a uh, better security for um, Americans in general. Uh, you know, it was that um, Kim Jong-un was talking about being able to launch a rocket that could hit the, the uh, United States, and uh, that would definitely not be a good thing. Right. So, uh, you know, as, as far as uh, safety and security and lesser cost of that safety and security is probably the biggest thing. Now, does it open up opportunities for American corporations to go in there? To be honest, I don't know. Uh, and there, it's so early on now, it's, I guess, uh, maybe 
we will see soon enough. Um, you know, over the next uh, next few yeah, weeks, a lot yeah. of that will play out. True. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with some answers to your financial questions. You're listening to Money Talk. Stick around. much a dog of the week, but it is a very interesting story. Is that you singing? No, he was him barking. Oh, just oh a, just barking. barking. Oh, okay. No. He was, recorded that in studio. I was actually the one dragging myself on the carpet, <laughs> if you must know. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, anyway. What do we got today, Troy? So uh, there's a uh, Burger King out of Boston that uh, decided that uh, they were going to put a sign up. You know, it's prom season up north. Maybe kind of past that now. Our school's get out a little earlier than they yeah. do in a lot of places. So uh, Burger King in Boston, the employees decided they'd change the sign. It said uh, at Wendy's, comma, prom, question mark. So <laughs> Burger King has asked Wendy's to the prom. Wow. <laughs> well, some of their employees also took a picture of the sign and put it on Twitter and wouldn't you know it, Wendy's responded. Oh, geez. This would be good. This is just awesome. Wendy's has an awesome Twitter account, anyways. Do they? They do. Yeah, so. Uh, I didn't know you're such a follower. Wendy's mm. replied, that was this week, um, okay, but don't get handsy, and we have to be home by 10. <laughs> handsy. I like handsy, it. Handsy, yeah. I <laughs> think it's absolutely awesome. They, awesome. they said the uh, exchange garnered numerous replies uh, from used Twitter users. Uh, and one expressed uh, expression of regret by the official account of Moon Pie Snacks. I guess Moon Pie missed oh, out. Oh, they didn't get asked. Mm, I guess. Well, they they too are infamous for their, their Twitter account. Yeah. Well, Wendy's is good. Are, are you, I don't have Twitter are you personally. Are Money on Twitter? Ha- yeah, Look up you know, Jay Money. Look it up. Jared. That's my handle on everything. Jay Penny. Jay Penny. No, people already take that. It's too common, unfortunately. So I'll just stick to it for this radio show. Oh. You know, <laughs> You're, you're saying His that you are not uh, the official J Money? I was, Dollar Bill I was beat and J Money. Is that it? That's right. How you were. Yeah. That's right. All right. I coined that long before Dollar Bill was on part of the show. There you go. Well, again, that is uh, that is my dog of the week. And uh, well, I say it's not a dog. It's uh, It was a kind of an awesome story. story. I like it. it. I always it's like fun. to uh, uh, highlight where folks do a real good job of marketing. Mm-hmm. We had one not long ago from... Uh, KFC, who would, I guess they got a new um, supplier a few months ago and couldn't get and the their chicken, chicken to the store quick enough, so they were having outages all over the United States. That's why they Kingdom. didn't get asked to prom. Well, they very well might be. <laughs> that could be. Well, that was pretty well done by Burger King and Wendy's. i got to give it to them. I think so. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, when you're heads up competitors like that, yeah. why uh, why not have a good time with each other here and there? I wonder Everybody's if that was like a, a franchise thing or if it was just two local, you know, Locally owned. Well, I think I think the the uh, Burger King was definitely locally owned, but when they put it on Twitter, that was the official Wendy's uh, at Wendy's account that actually replied. Mm-hmm. So it was the national account for Wendy's, whomever does yeah. their marketing, their Twitter, uh, that that uh, replied to the to the local question. So well played, Burger King. Well played. I, 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 yeah. Got some, got some I, national I attention good, out of yeah, it. Yeah, no man. doubt, no doubt. Look at that, made it on the radio. 
How about that? <laughs> All right, guys, we uh, do have a situation this week. But, hey, before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about what we had. And we didn't get to this in the first segment. But uh, there was one number in the uh, economic releases this week that I wanted to touch on a little bit. Consumer price index, since we are kind of on a, a – um, Specific watch for uh, inflation. I think CPI actually matters. This came out late in the week. Uh, CPI rose 0.2% in April. It was expected to come out uh, 0.3% gain. Uh, really, if you look at the, the uh, year-over-year numbers is what uh, I like to check out. And um, we had core CPI at 21 and the headline CPI at 2.5%. So we're now hitting just a little above the 2% target that the Fed uh, talks about. Um, I believe food costs. There was uh, there was a little information in the Wall Street Journal this week, too, about uh, uh, the rise in, in the cost of food. And believe it or not, it's not really the food that's, uh, that's the big cost. It's transportation. Uh, trucking is uh, the, the shortage of trucks and uh, the increase in uh, online e-commerce purchases is actually creeping into the, the price of, uh, of our food supply. Some of the big suppliers, especially to uh, restaurants, are uh, having to try to pass along those increases in cost. And uh, they're finding it a little bit difficult, the consumer's not uh, um, having to deal with it as much. But when you start seeing that PPI number, the producer price index number, creep up, um, you know it's just a matter of time if it continues before you're seeing uh, consumer price index rise as well. But uh, other than that, guys, we uh, uh, well, so look at interest rates. Just real yeah, quick with the CPI. I mean, sure. with, with that being one of the primary leading economic indicators, as I would say, I mean, that's always been my understanding. I yeah, mean, that's unemployment, one the, inflation. Right, yeah, there are, there are others, but, you know, CPI being, being you know, like you said, an important one. I mean, with, with the rise, albeit very marginal, I mean, is that an indication of, of uh, obviously, of what's to come, but, you know, more so specific to, you know, how the economy looks in the, in the near term? Uh, we're not heading towards, at least what we see now in these numbers, is not pushing us towards a recessionary environment. We're not there now, if that's what you're asking. That's generally the way the sure. cycle works. Um, you, you wind up seeing uh, increase in in costs mm-hmm. and when inflation starts rising i mean we've got a federal reserve that watches it like a hawk right and mm-hmm. uh in order to keep inflation in check which is very difficult to to uh keep down if you let it go too far without some actions we've seen uh the federal reserve act to raise interest rates uh they've done it uh you know we did it in march uh, expected in June, again, another 25 basis point increase. We're expected in September and then probably in December now, which is brand new on the table. We were only seeing the options market over the last uh, week. This has actually changed. We had only been seeing the options market indicate that we would have three interest increase uh, increases um, this year. Now we're December's back on the table. So, uh what winds up happening is, you know, the, the economy rocks along, growth starts kicking up when growth, you know, increases, then you start having uh, shortages. In this case, you know, it's a, a shortage of drivers. So quite often it starts with wages, um, and, you know, here we are again. Um, so the cost of that uh, that service or whatever it is begins to rise as costs rise, 
the Fed also increases uh, interest rates. So then you have two expenses in corporations, almost every corporation, that are increasing. You've got their inputs for their finished goods as well as their cost of capital that increases. Their profit begins to get squeezed. Mm-hmm. Um, and before you know it, you have a recession. Am I calling for a recession? No, absolutely not. Right. Uh, you know, one of the things, the other things you can look at is uh, when the cost of wages begins to increase to a certain level, then people quit hiring mm-hmm. and or, and maybe even lay off. Yes. So then you watch closely for unemployment. Right. Uh, unemployment actually ticked down. We got that number uh, last week. Uh, it, it was associated with our employment situation, which uh, there were 164,000 jobs created in April. Expected to be around 200,000, I think 193 just off the top of my head. Uh, but instead of 4.1% unemployment rate, we're now at 3.9. So we're still going in the right direction in that regard. Um, mm-hmm. Problem is, we're just starting to see a little bit of inflation, and the Fed has been raising interest rates for, you know, started the first one was way back in 2015, December of 2015. We got one increase then. Uh, we got what? couple last year, three last year, um, slated for maybe four now in 2018. So uh, something that we'll keep watching. Um, with changes in the regulatory environment and lower taxes, I, I really expect that uh, uh, we could uh, we could continue this, this growth cycle for quite a while. In fact, one of the things that we've talked about recently, a couple of weeks ago, we had the uh, 10-year Treasury over 3%. First time it had been over 3% since 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a confirmation of growth, basically, you know, when you right. start seeing interest rates rise. So uh, when you're having all these situations, uh, you got to be mindful of everything at the same time. There's right. a lot of uh, a lot of things that impact well, our economy. It's good to hear you say that, and, and specifically because I'm I'm getting questions about it, and I'm I'm responding in much the same way that you just did to me, and that is that that's not the only measure. While while certainly yes, that's moving upwards and indicating some inflation. It's not indicative of any kind of recessionary period in the near term. Now, you know, again, you you got to look at these things in conjunction with each other because, as you said, you know, one can be moving in one direction, the other one moving in the other. But uh, you know, I just wanted to confirm it for the, our listeners as well because it's something that seemingly a lot of clients have been asking about, and want to make sure I'm on the same page with you guys and sure in research absolutely because uh, that's exactly what I've been I've been telling them. Yeah, so uh, I mean, we got a, another minute, and we'll take a quick break, and then when we get back, we'll talk about our situation we wanted to this week. But uh, you know, since we're on the subject, there's a couple of things that you can look for uh, as as good indicators historically. Uh, number one is when you start seeing unemployment increases. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when the unemployment situation starts getting weak, yep. uh, usually it's a bad sign for the economy. We don't see any sign of that at the moment. It's mm. still going very strong. What about the uh, yield curve? Yeah, uh-huh. the yield curve inversion is usually a sign within 12 to 18 months of a, a potential recession. And then, you know, what's called a real earnings yield, which is kind of the inverse of the P.E. on the S&P 500. Uh, and then you subtract out uh, inflation. So that's the piece that makes it the real earnings curve. So, you know, it's kind of a valuation uh, indicator. And uh, in in every single one of those instances, we're not seeing signs of, of a recession at this point. So it's uh, good news. You know, yeah. Hope, hopefully we see quite a long while uh, 
we'll we'll continue having growth, growth in the economy. Yeah, absolutely. No All right. Well, let's take that quick break. We'll be right back and we'll talk to uh, talk about a situation and answer some financial questions. You're listening to Money Talk. Stick around. When I think back on all the crap I learned Broadcasting from atop the Hensler Financial Building in the heart of Georgia's financial district, Kennesaw, Georgia, this is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here today with Shauna Theriot and Jarrett McKenzie. And, uh, guys, we do have a little bit of something to talk about, a financial planning situation. But uh, before we do that, let's throw out a way that uh, our listeners can contact us. If you have a question, you can call us at 770-429-9166 and talk to a real person there. Or if you'd just like to leave a message and uh, we will play it back on the air and answer your question, uh, you can call 1-855-429-9166, or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, you can also go to our website and answer some of your questions on your own. We've got uh, answers to some generic financial planning and investing questions at our website at hensler.com. So, uh, guys... Protecting your financial plan with life insurance—that's that's a pretty common theme, right? Oh, Probably yeah. one of the first Question things you we guys. get all the time. How much should I have? Yeah. So, uh, isn't this more or less the way you lead in? If you if you had a client that walks in the door and says, you know, I'm I'm thinking about starting investing and I have a little bit of excess cash that I'm making nowadays, isn't one of the first questions, you know, how's your insurance situation looking before you go dumping money into the stock market usually? Oh, yeah. I mean, emergency reserve insurance, you look at all right. of the, right. you know, liabilities there, the sure. things that could come up. Sure. But that's a question we get all the time. Jared mm-hmm. and I get in the planning department, how much life insurance do we need? Um, you know, a lot of agents or brokers will say, well, five to 10 times your income but that depends yeah it mean, greatly I, depends i usually like to ask him what are you trying to protect i mean because that's what it comes down to right i mean i find right. a lot of people carry more insurance than they need and this was something They're worth more dead on. than alive <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> sleep with one eye open and that's fine i mean look to some extent if it helps you sleep better at night then then great you know carry more than than what you think you might need but at some point early on in that process you need to understand what it is that you're trying to insure against because presumably at some point if you've planned properly, you won't have a need for life insurance because hopefully your asset base will uh, be substantial enough that if you were to pass, there's enough there to provide for the family, to pay the mortgage off or whatever it is that, that you're trying to protect against. And so that's that's a place where I like to start in addition to, you know, kind of some of these, these fact-finding questions that would be more general. But, um, you know, it, it is important to figure that out because some people – they're just looking to have life insurance so there's a payout to their beneficiaries when they pass away, and that's not necessarily the approach I would take. I mean, it, typically, and we've got a couple of these going on right now, you and I, I know with, with one in particular that, you know, we're, we're trying to determine whether or not life insurance is actually uh, a necessity for this person. Um, and the way we do that is with the financial plan that we run, and so we can actually look at a specific case where, you know, if, if the person were to pass away, the effects that that would have, how does that impact the longevity of, of their assets and, and also the family members that rely on their income and, you know, the, how much of a mortgage.
mortgage is there and is there other things that need to be protected against? And so there's a lot that goes into it. And, and for us, I think it's a question, you know, when, when it comes to that amount, like you're saying, Sean, sure. it's hard to say without actually kind of doing that numbers. deep dive. It depends. It depends what you spend. Like you said, it depends what you're trying to solve for. Are you just trying to get the kids through college and the mortgage paid off? Or are you trying to make sure that your spouse who's remaining, if you have a spouse, doesn't have a life change, Mm -hmm. uh, lifestyle change. So, you know, if you're currently spending $150,000 a year and you want to make sure that that spouse can continue doing that, you know, you have to take that into consideration. So there's all those things. What is your end game? Um, and, and some may not know, especially, you know, younger individuals just starting out and starting a family, um, you know, how much do I need? And so to your point, you know, running a full plan and saying, okay, well, what happens if you pass away today? How much money would you need to drop in there to cover so that you don't, Exactly. Your plan doesn't explode. Yeah, because that's that's essentially what can happen as far as retirement goes. I mean, just for instance, if you've got two million dollars and and you pass away today, if you're still working, then then maybe your spouse or your family loses income, right? But with two million dollars, maybe that's not a big deal because for most people, if one of the spouses is gone, they're not going to spend as much. So maybe two million dollars would be sufficient. But if you've only got say two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars and you're going to work for another ten years mm-hmm. and your family's relying on that, well then I would probably say without a doubt you're going to need some exactly. And so there, there's a lot of different instances of why you might you might want to uh, have life insurance as far from a planning standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know whether it be protecting against the mortgage on that home, your business, caring for your aging parents. Uh, your health changing, leaving a legacy of some kind, even charitable giving, you know, uh, uh, donating a life insurance policy to charity uh, is quite common, actually, and, and may enable you to make a larger gift than what you could otherwise afford. So there's a lot of uses for it. But again, at the beginning of the process and determining what's appropriate, I think it's, it's very important to understand, am I insuring against something? Or like I said a minute ago, is this for purposes of leaving a legacy or right. making a charitable gift? Things like that. We generally don't consider life insurance as a financial plan. Right. Just as exactly. a, it's a piece a of the pe- puzzle. Right. Yeah. yeah. So generally speaking, if you know the more the more you have saved in assets, probably the less likely we are to advise you to have some big portion of your plan covered with life insurance, right? Yeah, exactly. Because as you might imagine, as you grow older, the premiums are only going to increase and become more expensive, right? So if you don't really need it, if your family would be well provided for in the event of your death because of your asset base, then why not save and invest that money while you can instead of paying it into premiums that are going to give uh, a death benefit? Now, I will say lately, and I'd say maybe in the past 10 to 15 years, these carriers have gotten smarter and have come out with these hybrid policies that will help you protect against life and long-term care. And that really kind of changes that discussion a little bit because long-term care is so expensive and you may never use it, but you could buy a hybrid policy potentially Mm -hmm. and draw on that if you have a long-term care need. And if you don't use it, guess what? You have life insurance. That's exactly right. There's a benefit. Whereas used to with traditional long-term care, you didn't have that, right? It's kind of like Mm -hmm. auto insurance where if you, if you didn't, use it then you lost it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you pay in so much that Right. So you can see it's a pretty dynamic topic. I mean, it's not something that is easily answered at, at you know, just a at the table over coffee. I think it, it certainly warrants an in-depth look with the financial plan uh, and can help protect that financial plan. I would say if you have completed a financial plan and and have not taken a serious look at where there might be gaps in your insurance policies and things like that, it's definitely worth a look because it's not quite as simple as I'm going to work for 10 more years. I make 100000 a year, so I need a million dollars of coverage. I mean, that, that, that might be a, 
a roundabout way to going about it, but it's certainly not, I would say, the most appropriate way to do it, and that's how I find some people choose to do that. Right, and quite often if you if you have saved quite a bit, you don't need as much as, yep. a, as a replacement for that right. income. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. but there's also ways, you know, I, I've used it before, and other firms use it before, you know, we generally recommend term, but depending on, you know, you may look at a situation where you have a pension, so instead of taking, you know, maybe you take the... Um, life pension, life expectancy individual, single life instead of joint survivors and try to maximize that if you're both healthy, mm-hmm. but maybe you, you know, something happens to the other person um, and that goes away, you can solve for that with life insurance too. Yeah. So there's other ways where you could buy some sort of a longer term policy, not not, less, not a term policy, excuse mm-hmm. me, a whole life policy where it solves for a loss of income in the future, such as a pension or something like yeah, that. Absolutely. So, and you're kind of still betting there, but there's still something in place mm-hmm. if something were to happen to that income, yeah, especially again, the way pensions are today. They right. could, you know, they could go away and they can't pay and become insolvent. So there's mm-hmm. other factors in replacing income, even in retirement. Well, to Troy's point and, and kind of to your story, I, I think that that's really what it's about. Like you said, it shouldn't be the plan, but there sure. are going to be instances like what Sean is saying where we need a policy of some mm-hmm. sort to help mm-hmm. us solve for what that gap or that missing piece is to it, to ensure that the client is uh, going to be well taken care of and has their, their objectives solved. So yep. uh, very dynamic topic. Sure, and uh, one of the things that you can always say is, Every single person's situation is not the same. Uh, you can't use those rules of thumb that some in certain industries might try to give you as to, you know, this is how you solve for this particular problem. You're really best to sit down with a financial planner, uh, somebody that does this every day, all day long, uh, who can apply your particular situation and the tools that are known uh, to that particular situation. So, uh, you know, instead of trying to to uh, answer those questions yourself, you're always best to talk to a professional, and that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Once again, 770-429-9166. We can answer those questions if you called and talked to Shauna or Jarrett. That's right. We're here. All right. Uh, we have a question from Amber from Cumming. I want to see if we can get this started. We might get it finished in the next minute. Uh, I'm more bearish on the market, so I tend to want my uh, to position my portfolio more defensively. That's not uncommon. I believe we're at the beginning of a decline. I might not agree with that. And I'm looking at putting more money into Ross stores. I think money is going to get tighter soon, and I'm thinking Ross will be able to weather this better than luxury stores. Uh, Are there any others I should look at? Well, I I would totally agree with the fact that Ross is probably uh, one of those that uh, I like no matter what the business cycle is. Um, But, uh, you know, part of it is because of their... Their uh, good growth, 12.65% in growth in earnings over the last five years, expected to be a little better than that at 13.75. Uh, let me, before I just absolutely pound the table, let's take a real quick break, and uh, when we come back, we will talk a little more. Money talks. Rock the cradle of love. How That's about better. that? Yeah. That, was, that was a little more uh, Jared, appropriate. You're just, man, you're always so critical. Hey, I go home no, and no, cry no. after these I shows every week. Keep you're you so on your sensitive, toes. Troy. I, I am you really, really are yeah. such Look, a sensitive guy. Yeah. The reason you stay so good at this is because I keep you on your toes. Wow. Okay? Wow. Uh, number one, I, I take that as the ultimate compliment. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Jared. 
Yeah, that's what I'm Thank here you, for. Man. That's the first nice thing you've ever I mean, said to me. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the last. Don't get used to it. Okay. That's the first nice um, thing he's ever said. It probably is. <sighs> Poor guy. No, I love I love Paulton County. I've said a lot of nice stuff about, about that. About Paulton County and yeah. your girls and, you know, that's various true. other things. My girls, yeah. But not much outside that. First, absolutely the first nice thing you've ever said well, to me. you know, Troy. Yeah. You, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna record the show and play it to myself <laughs> we'll multiple it, uh, times this week. I'm, I'm going to have a great week. Thanks, Jerry. Good. I'm glad I can yeah. help uplift you, Troy. Maybe by the end of the week I'll like you oh. again. Oh, wow. Look, yeah. we're, okay, we're really making some progress uh, yeah, now. Yeah, we really are. And next thing you know, Kim Jong-un is going to open up his country for – oh, wait a minute. Maybe we can get there's him on the story. show. Uh, <laughs> Maybe the there's show. a nice that prison resort awesome. there. That would be great. Uh, yes. Uh, Jarrett? If uh, Kim Jong-un comes on the show, it, oh. it will be in replacement of you. I'm, oh, I'm sorry no, to tell you I that. I will be here for that show. You can believe that. There will be well, four of us on the that's show. Assuming, that's assuming that you get invited, but hey. <laughs> no, in, invite or not, it's happening. Oh, you're going to be there? Yeah. Mm. All right, great. Uh, so we have that to look forward to. <laughs> uh, let's finish talking about raw stores. As I was saying, I absolutely love this, this uh, business model. And basically what they do is they go on and uh, buy – uh, brand names that are uh, sold to them by oh, their biggest is uh, G3 Apparel, which supplies Macy's and Nordstrom's, Lord and & Taylor and Kohl's. Brands include uh, uh, G3 Apparel Group, which, uh, you know, it made its name in leather. Uh, but they also have uh, Black Rivet, Winlit, Marvin R- uh, Richards. There's several uh, big names, Donna Karen, DK New York, uh, Villabrand, Jessica Howard. There's uh, uh, So you can go to Ross stores. You can find brands that you would otherwise find in some of the big department stores, and uh, they're at pretty substantial discounts, somewhere between 20 and 70% off. Uh, the other thing is you just never know what you're going to get when you go to the store. Uh, it's basically whatever inventory is available to them. So uh, what we've seen is the um, company is, is uh, really profitable, has a ROA of 23.2, return on equity of 44.1%, uh, not too heavily indebted, 13% uh, debt-to-equity ratio, uh, only 6.9% of uh, their asset, assets are made up in debt. So, uh, you know, all things considered, uh, even, even their EVA spread, which I talk about quite often, which is the weighted average cost of capital subtracted from their return on invested capital, uh, which is 32.8% in this particular case. It's a very profitable company. I'll leave it right there. Uh, uh, price, uh, price to earnings growth, PEG ratio uh, at 1.38 at is uh, one of the more profitable and one of the more um, uh, attractive uh, valuations in the market that you would find today, especially in, in uh, retail. So uh, I would tell you, I like the way you're thinking in in the way of uh, a company, um, but uh, I, you know I'm not so sure about your assessment of where we are in the in the business cycle. So as we've already talked, you know I don't see uh, huge signs of uh, a recession at the at the moment. But I would surely buy uh, Ross stores with both hands. I mean meets our investment criteria it, easily. Absolutely, right? yes, absolutely, and. Uh, uh, some of the others, maybe TJ Maxx, if you really think that uh, it's time to cover up, and even if, if not, if you like those defensive kind of stocks, 
uh, companies in in the healthcare like uh, Johnson and Johnson uh, tend to be uh, good options as well. So um, you know, especially if they're paying a dividend, those those stocks usually tend to hold up well during tough times. Uh, with where consumer staples is at, Johnson and Johnson and P and G and the like would not be a bad play at this Absolutely. point. Absolutely, yeah. You might get beaten up. I don't I don't know that we've seen the bottom, especially with rates continuing to rise, but uh, I don't think you're going to hurt yourself buying some of those type stocks in the current valuation market. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, move on. we got Danielle from Woodstock, and if you have questions, you can always email them to us at drgene@hensler.com, D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, Danielle from Woodstock says, my brother died. I'm sole beneficiary for a retirement account like 401k. Uh, can I share funds uh, to my other siblings without a penalty? I don't want to distribute if it means taxes and penalties. Guys, you got an answer to that? Well, sharing, uh, I think, is uh, the, the key term there. I don't know that sharing is going to necessarily... Uh, work for you in this case, Danielle. But you know, with, with you being the sole beneficiary, the assets in that retirement account are, are going to flow directly to you. Uh, that being the case, there are some options after you have inherited them uh, that would allow you to to essentially share them, I guess. But uh, it, it's not as simple as simply uh, just giving them some money. Obviously, there's gift taxes to think about uh, because they would still be in a tax deferred account, presumably. Um, and the gifter is the one who pays the gift tax. That's right? exactly so right. Well, and, well, you can gift up to fifteen thousand. To, to your point, there's a gift tax implication depending on how much you wanted to give. But mm-hmm. the biggest thing is the ordinary income. So you would still That's have to right. take the distribution to yourself, Before Danielle, and the then gift. give to people. So as long as you give them less than fifteen thousand, there's no gift tax implication. But you're still going to have to pay the tax on that distribution. Yeah. Well, and even if you if you decided to take the the distribution, pay the ordinary income, and then gift it to them. Any amount over that annual limit uh, of 15, like Shauna said, uh, is just going to affect your exemption amount, your lifetime exemption amount, that is. So you, you may not necessarily have to cut a check to Uncle Sam, but, uh, you know, again, it's, it's not going to be as simple as simply sharing it uh, with the other siblings because of the fact that, that those assets will end up in an inherited IRA, uh, and, and that's where they will reside until you make a distribution. So, you know, you make the comment that you don't want to distribute if it means taxes and penalties, uh, and while there's not necessarily a penalty, there will certainly be some taxes involved um, you know, maybe multiple kinds, depending on, you know, which direction you choose to take that. But, uh, you know, the only other way you could potentially think about including them uh, in some of this is maybe making a disclaimer upon the distribution of the deceased's estate. I don't know that you can disclaim part of it. Shauna, you may know the answer to that uh, in terms of being able to, say, disclaim half and still accept uh, or be eligible to uh, obtain the other half, because as I understand it, Filing a disclaimer is as as though you died before the decedent. Yeah, and generally with a retirement account, there has to be disclaimer language in there. Is my understanding, I'm not an attorney. Mm -hmm. I know enough to be dangerous. But normally there has to be some sort of language that says, I can disclaim this if I want to. And usually that's used for, you know, to um, use personal lifetime exemptions or their estate tax exemption. Um, So my understanding, and I could be incorrect, is that you have to have disclaimer language in there, which if it was just left outright to somebody, I don't know that they could just disclaim it per se. Sure. Mm-hmm. So it's complicated. You'd want to talk to an attorney about that um, just to make sure that that is allowable if that is an option. But to your point, yeah. if it is an option, you could disclaim it. But if there's no contingent beneficiaries, then 
I presume it would go right. through his estate documents at that point yeah. or the courts. Well, exactly. And Danielle, to that to that point, this is this type of account when it, when it passes by beneficiary, it is going to avoid probate. So this is almost this is as close as you can get to an immediate distribution upon a decedent's uh, passing because uh, those assets will avoid probate and therefore they're going to go directly into an inherited IRA for you unless they're your spouse. Uh, you, you have some different options if it's a spouse that passes away, but if it's anybody else, uh, you're either going to have to put them into an inherited IRA or take a full distribution, which uh, probably wouldn't be advisable depending on your situation, but uh, certainly something that is going to be circumstantial and I would say uh, you know, sharing is <laughs> is not exactly easy in in the situation that you you uh, propose. So you're saying that what we all learned in kindergarten is possibly not not that the best way. Sharing the best way. Maybe not. Well, yeah. let's put it like this. From a tax standpoint, anytime you have some sort of a transaction, the government wants to get involved, right? And of course, they want to get a paycheck. Absolutely. And that's the way they. That's what you're dealing with here. Uh, if, in fact, it is legal, as Shauna said, you know, you need to check with an attorney. But at the same time, always assume that it's going to cost you Well, something. someone's going to pay the tax, whether it's you or somebody else. The tax, right. it, it's embedded in there. So somebody's paying the tax on that. Yeah. Oh, yes. And, you know, just gifting, giving it away doesn't make it the other person's problem. The, the person right. who gives is really the one who's on the hook for the tax. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you keep a little back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and fully understand exactly what you're up against. Well, no again, what. even though she may not have a gift tax implication here, if you're going to share some funds, you're going to have to take out more funds, which means you're going to incur more ordinary income tax. So, All right, Jarrett, well, uh, that's going to wrap our show. What do you say, market up or down? It's going way up. Sean? Up. All right, me too. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.